are listening to Toolbox of the Trades, brought to you by Service Titan, a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders for their best tips and tricks of the trades. Learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in. The best thing you can do if you want to sell the business is to have loyal customers, have customers that keep calling you back, have repeat customers, because we look at that. We look at what is the customer base like. Hello, contractors, and welcome to the Toolbox for the Trades. I'm your host, Jackie Abel, and today's guest is John Akoyan, the owner of Ruder Hero Plumbing, located in both California and Arizona. John first discovered the plumbing trade when he was just 17 years old, after an unexpected tragedy required him to start looking for work. After a family friend, the owner of a commercial plumbing shop, gave John an apprentice position, he became hooked. Within the next 25 years, John would go on to build a plumbing enterprise, spanning two states and generating $50 million in revenue. We discuss recruiting and marketing tactics, the best strategies for acquisition, as well as how John credits his success to hard work, focus, and remaining curious. Plus, we're offering a listener giveaway in honor of our first episode. Stay tuned to the end of this conversation to see how you can win an exclusive prize. Enjoy. So, John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Can you please tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I, I started as a plumber when I was 17. Uh, my dad passed away and I uh, dropped out of school to go into the trades. And I've been doing it ever since. And, um, you know, plumbing sort of, to me at this point, has almost been my calling, I feel like. And I really enjoy doing it. And um, I, I love the trades. That's amazing. I'm sorry to hear about your dad passing yeah. when you were 17. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It, it happens. Yeah. Did you take over his business? He did. He was not a plumber. So he was a truck driver. And um, the story goes back to, you know, we had bought a house about a year before he passed away. And uh, my mom really didn't work. She was a housewife. Uh, my brother was in college. And um, so we sold my dad's truck. We had enough money to pay the mortgage for about a year or two. And I needed, I wanted to get out and get a job. And initially I told my mom, I'll go drive the truck and I'll replace my dad's income. So my goal was to replace his income. Uh, so the trades actually allowed me to do that in, in plumbing and surpass it as well and uh, created a really good living for myself and my family. What, how did you discover the trades? So I went to work with a family friend. He was a one truck operator. Uh, he had a small plumbing company and he did a lot of uh, commercial maintenance work. So I worked with him uh, for about a year, uh, maybe about a year, a year and a half. And uh, that's where I learned all of my plumbing skills. And then after that, I went on my own. Gotcha. So you apprenticed with him essentially. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. And then talk to me about that journey. How did you go from apprentice to going off on your own? So I remember the first day I was with him and his name is Arthur. He said, uh, you know, John, this isn't for everybody. So, you know, we're going to go do some service calls. And at the end of the day, you know, you tell me if you really like this or not, because I don't want to waste your time. I don't want you to waste mine, you know? So I said, okay. So we went out on some service calls uh, I didn't even know there was crawl spaces back then. You know, I, I, I was pretty mechanically inclined because I'd always work on my dad's truck and do stuff like that. So we went into some crawl spaces, fixed some pipe. You know, I was all muddy. I got out. I 
go get tools for him and I'd hold things while he was working. And, and it was the end of the day and we're on our way back, you know, to his house as he had a home office where he'd store his truck. And I told him, you know, I, I really like this. I don't mind getting dirty. I'm, I don't mind, uh, you know, being in, you know, tiny areas. I'm not claustrophobic. So this is good. I like it. And I want to do this. And he said, okay, great. So I'll see you tomorrow at seven. <laughs> that was it. That's awesome. You mentioned that you're mechanically inclined. What is it about the plumbing trade that really appeals to you? Well, what what I like about the plumbing trade is that, you know, it's, I like the challenge of, of uh, just fixing stuff. You know, now I get to do other kind of fixing. You know, I, I work more on, you know, like trying to solve bigger problems. Uh, but back then, I just really enjoyed figuring out what the problem was and then figuring out what you had to do to fix it. And uh, and it, it always changes. I still go out in the field once in a while, and I'm amazed on how much technology is advanced and how different things are when it comes to the plumbing system as well. And uh, But, but I, I really enjoy fixing things, you know. Totally. Yeah. I'm always surprised by how high tech the plumbing industry is. I mean, I'm, I'm not a plumber, but being someone who operates within the plumbing space, I'm always like, whoa, look at that new tool. That looks very high tech. Yeah. Um, and a lot of my uh, owners that I spoke to like talk about all these tools that now make it p- possible and more accessible and not as hard on the body, which it traditionally was, I believe. Right, right. Exactly. Gotcha. So uh, you came back to work with, you told Arthur you liked the job. He was like, I'll see you tomorrow at seven. So you continued working with him for a couple of years. So how did you get from there to becoming the owner that you are today? So it it took a lot of just um, working on myself. You know, I I didn't really like school, but I love to learn. I I discovered that I was a learner. I wasn't really um, so crazy about the learning environment I was in, but so what happened is I, I continued to work for him and I started out as sort of an apprentice. It was, I think back then it was about $25 a day is what he was paying me. And I got to a point where I was doing the work on my, on, on my own. I had an apprentice with me and uh, he would just, I'd go there in the morning, I'd get the truck. Uh, I had somebody that helped me or if he wasn't in, I'd just go out on my own and fix everything. And I got to a point where I got to the maximum of what he can afford to pay. And I had a talk with him. I said, look, I, I love the trade. I love what we're doing. And you know, I'd, I, I need to make more money. So what can we do? Can we grow the company? Maybe let's add a second truck. I'll, I'll help you grow it. And he said, no, I'm happy being a one truck operator. I don't want the headache. Uh, John, he said, you have a lot of choices. He goes, you did really well. And uh, your choices, you could go work for a, a big you know, plumbing company or you, that has opportunities. You could go work for the union or you could do your own. I mean, whatever you want to do, let me know. I'm, I'm 100% supportive over it. And I said, great. So I decided that I'm just going to go out on my own. So I, I got, I bought some hand tools and, you know, went on, started knocking on doors and applied for my uh, plumbing license and uh, just continued to work on there until I was completely busy with one truck and then added a second truck, you know, and it just kind of kept growing from there. That's incredible. And I'm always blown away by how industrious people like you are. Because if, if the situation was reversed, and I mean, everyone's different. And I love what you said too about how Arthur was like, no, like, I'm happy the way I am. And yeah. I don't, I think as a lot of the time when we talk about 
jobs and careers, we don't necessarily think about lifestyle. And it sounds like you were very intentional and very self-aware at a pretty young age about what you wanted to do and the kind of life that you wanted to live. Yeah, yeah, I, I really did want to advance. I did I didn't want to only replace my dad's income, which I eventually did before the money ran out. So and I continued to, you know, live at home and help my mom with all the bills. Uh, but I, I was ambitious. I wanted to do more and I just kept working and I had a really good work ethic. And that came from my dad because he would, you know, we saw him work six, seven days a week. He'd come home and then we'd work on his truck. And, you know, we always had weekend projects where, you know, we were fixing stuff and we were doing this and that. So I wasn't afraid of putting the time in. That's awesome. So let's talk about that transition from you working with Arthur to starting to knock on doors. Uh, I don't want, I don't mean to date you, but do you remember how long ago that was? Gosh. Okay. So let's see, that could have been about 20, I would say about 27, 28 years ago. Nice. Yeah. So mid nineties, something, something yeah, around there. Something like- <laughs> uh, what do you, I know it's been a while and you're in a completely different place when then you were then, but can you remember some of the feelings that you experienced while you were there? Like what were some like thoughts and that kind of came into your mind were some challenges that you had to overcome? Yeah. I, I mean, I've, uh, so some of the things that I had to, you know, what I did and what I had to overcome was, uh, you know, initially was resisting to go out with my friends because a lot of them were, you know, sort of like uh, a lot of them were, you know, their their dads were doing well. Some of them their dads bought businesses for and uh, they were doing really good. And, you know, I had to resist on going out with them a whole lot because, you know, that would have held me back. Um, but what I decided at a very young age is that I was going to work really hard at two things. And, and I've always tried to keep my current thing to trying to perfect two or three things instead of trying to do everything. And back then it was either I'm going to fix somebody's plumbing or I'm going to look for somebody that needs to get their plumbing fixed. So I spent six, seven days a week. Uh, going and knocking on doors. I used to go back, go, go into management companies, uh, leave my business cards. I used to drive around and uh, go to big commercial areas and I would walk around and introduce myself to store managers and tell them, hey, I'm a plumber, I'm just starting out. And my thing was, I'll do the first job for free. You know, give me a chance to earn your business. And I, and I would leave my card and I'd go around and just talk to people. And if my phone rang, hey, I got a job. So I'd go do number two, which is fix somebody's plumbing. And I would do that from morning to evening every single day. And I got to a point after three or four months, I got really busy. You know, I had more work than I could handle. Everybody was calling me and I didn't do as much marketing. But then I got a call from my aunt and she said, hey, your cousin is looking, you know, for work. He's not going to, he doesn't want to go to school anymore. And it kind of reminded me of me when I was uh, going to Arthur, I said, yeah, have him come in and I'll, I'll help him. So I, I worked with him. He became a really good plumber and he became fan number two. So when he was busy, I'd let him do all the work and I'd go do marketing mm. again. And then that would, you know, create the work. And then we'd, you know, we'd both be busy. And, uh, and then I was looking for a number three truck. <laughs> So was your goal always focused on growth? Like, I want to see how big I can get, or did you have a vision in mind? 
I always wanted to see how much I could grow. I was from a young age. I was really curious. I had an uncle that was very wealthy, and um, we used to go and visit him quite a bit. And I would just ask him a lot of questions, and and uh, just you know. And then I, I I noticed that hey, if he he was an immigrant, if he came in with no education, and I don't have any education, I was kind of comparing myself. I go if if I could work hard enough. I could probably get to where he's at, right? So um, doesn't seem like he's got anything different. I mean, he's just a hard worker and a really smart man, but you know, he's just really kind of forced himself into that position. So I, I think I could do the same thing. So everything was done by you know just working really hard and forcing myself into, you know, trying to get to that level. Gotcha. That's a true American dream mentality there for sure. Yeah. Um, sounds like your your basic keys to success early on, because a lot of technicians, as I'm sure as I'm sure now you know, is you know, a lot of tech, technicians go out on their own. They start their own shops, and a lot of them fail, or they don't do what they expect to do. But it sounds like your curiosity and your discipline really gr- gave you the two grounding tools you needed to just keep at it. Yeah, and and my wife helped quite a bit too because I we got married at an early age. You and, got married in addition to all of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she was uh, she we, we were dating at the time I was doing plumbing, and uh, then we got engaged. And when we got married, she came in and started answering the phones and handled a lot of the paperwork stuff, which actually freed me up even more to go out and do marketing. And uh, in the beginning, I was just you know doing a whole lot of marketing, you know. So and I would go out and do some plumbing as well. And I'd look for apprentices and sort of the same thing I'm doing now. It's, it's no different. <laughs> so, uh, so basically what you're doing now, does your wife still work for you? She does. Yeah. She's working with me still. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, does your cousin still work for you? No, he doesn't. He's, he's running his own plumbing company. Holy crap. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, before we get into marketing, which I want to talk about, uh, what advice would you give to anyone out there who's also working with their significant other at a service business? Um, which is hard to do, but I'm, I'm going to try to, um, I, I try to do this all the time is not talk about work when you get home, you know, just kind of leave it at that and, uh, and always agree to disagree you know, because it's going to happen a lot. So we agree to disagree and we both respect what one another does. And it, it, it's, it hasn't been easy, but, you know, if, if, if your relationship is strong enough and there's that bond, then, you know, things, things work out. You know, until today, she took some time off because we had our two boys and she wanted to raise them. She didn't want to bring on a nanny or anything. So she took a lot of time off of work and, and raised the boys. And now they're both teenagers and she spends more time at work now. Gotcha. How old are your boys? 14 and 17. Oh, such lovely ages. Yeah. Great ages. <laughs> um, so talk to me a little bit about the marketing that you did in those early days. What were some of the techniques that you implemented and how would you rate their success? So back then I was, I, I was more of a commercial plumber. So my marketing back then was, uh, was traditionally going to management companies, introducing myself, taking them. Um, sometimes I'd take them desserts, you know, platters. I'd send them cards. I'd find out, um, you know, create relationships with the people that were managing buildings. And I would remember their birthdays. I'd send them birthday cards. I would always give them a call, let them know I'm, I'm here. We wouldn't stop marketing. One of the things that we continued to do, and I had 
my entire staff doing back then was we, we would get, we had coupons behind all of our business cards. And for the guys, it was, hey, every time you go to the bathroom, okay, you turn that around and leave it on the, on the urinal. You know, there's that flush valve on the urinal. So you stick the card between the flush valve and the urinal and it's always there. Next I person, actually, believe it or not, I can't really picture a urinal right now, yeah, I know. but I'll just, I'll just credit that to the fact that I haven't been in many men's public restrooms. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and, and, uh, and with everybody else, it was just leaving business cards, you know, leave business cards, talk to everybody. We'd go to restaurants. I would, you know, I'd, I'd leave business cards. I'd talk to people about plumbing, tell them what a great trade it is. And we had so many, you know, people that were chefs, that were busboys, that were just, you know, hard workers that came in and worked and eventually advanced to becoming plumbers. So Ah, so this marketing strategy wasn't only for building up relationships with clients. This was also for finding people with the right skills who could be molded into effective plumbers. Exactly. Yeah. Somebody that wasn't afraid of getting dirty somebody that wasn't afraid of putting long hours in because the trade, you know, that's what it needed back then. And so it, it would go for them. Hey, you get somebody that has overserved you, did a great job, give them a business card. And we had different ones. One of them where, you know, we would hire them and it had a picture of one of our trucks and said, what's missing. And then it was a guy without, you know, with a blank face and it said you. So we would give those to people. And then we would also give it, you give the coupons to uh, restaurants. I would go into busy malls. I'd walk from door to door. And then when we got into residential, we'd do the same thing. We would canvas. You know, we had teams when the guys weren't busy. Hey, let's meet in this city and let's spread out. We'd get door hangers. Let's go, you know, put out door hangers. If somebody's watering their lawn, hey, if you have a plumbing problem, I'm in the area. You know, let me take a look at it. If it's something simple, or I'll fix it for free, right? So we would do whatever we could to get, you know, earn people's business. Gotcha. And so just to kind of get my timelines right again, this is also still kind of in the late 90s, early aughts. So before yes. really the advent of internet and technology. Exactly. But I would imagine that those guerrilla relationship building tactics would still be applicable today. Absolutely. They're still applicable. And I think that, they still work. You just have to go in there and, and do it. A lot of people, because of they rely too much on digital and, and don't do it, I think that's wrong. We need to continue to do that. And until now, I, I continue to give out business cards and, and do things like that to bring good people in uh, or try to get business, although we don't do as much commercial nowadays. So talk to me a little bit about that, because I, I've spoken to uh, businesses that I've spoken to residential businesses that don't touch commercial with a 10 foot pole. I've spoken to residential businesses that do like 5% commercial. And then I've talked to commercial businesses that don't do any residential. So what was that decision factor for you moving from commercial to residential? And tell me how it made the most sense for your business. So we did, we did make a shift. We had a really big uh, commercial business and we completely shifted into residential. And it, it wasn't, it took a little bit of time to make the shift, uh, but we wanted to be really good at one thing. And, and that one thing back then was, was residential. That's where I saw, you know, the biggest opportunity. So we continued to run our commercial business until, you know, it got to a point where the, the pricing had gone up significantly. They weren't really willing to pay 
the pricing that we had because a lot of the commercial customers are looking for the cheapest the cheapest and they're looking and i understand why because we end up on their financial statement and it has to look good you know so that's totally understandable but on the residential side it was more of an emotional buy you didn't end up on anybody's financial statement so we were able to give a better service and in charge you know more for the better service so we wanted to do more of that and eventually our you know our commercial customers there was a few of them that I ended up giving to some of my uh, some of my friends that had commercial businesses and I introduced them when the residential side grew and we decided that we're going to completely get out of it but I think commercial business is great business the problem I think it is uh, with with the residential company is you just have to have a different team that actually services commercial because it's a different business model. I'm hearing uh, a theme in, in our conversation, which I think you're actually really, really good at uh, naturally, is really focus, laser focusing on one thing. And instead of distracting yourself with a lot of different goals, you are able to hyper-focus into one thing. And it definitely seems like you've applied that to your business. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've applied it to my, you know, personally myself when it comes to what I'm doing in the business, but being the best at one or two things or being laser focused at a certain goal just allows you to become better. You know, in, in today's time, you know, I'm, I'm laser focused right now on opening up locations. So my goal is to open up four this year and, and every day I wake up and I'm thinking about, am I moving that needle? towards accomplishing that goal? Are we sending out enough letters for acquisitions? Are we doing the startup meetings? Is everybody on track to do the stuff we need to do? So it's just, in my opinion, it's about being great at a few things instead of trying to be a master of many things. And I've always tried to you know, be great at a few things instead of trying to do everything. I That's think... Uh, that's amazing advice. And a lot of like very famous entrepreneurs have that mindset as well, which is no doubt why you've been as successful as you are. So let's go to actually where you are now. So tell us a little bit about the markup of your business. How many technicians do you have? How many trucks do you have? Uh, How many locations? Just give me the, give me the, uh, the elevator pitch profile. Okay. (laughs) So today we're, we're a statewide company. So we have locations from uh, Southern California all the way up to Northern California. We have uh, 10 locations. We just opened up our 10th location. Congrats. Uh, thank you. Thank you. About a month ago. And um, we have, I think we might have about 250. Maybe we have more trucks than that because the last acquisition added some. And I don't know exactly how many plumbers we have, but I'm pretty sure we have as many as trucks we do, give or take some. And our goal is to become a nationwide company. So I, you know, we're sending out letters. We're trying to do acquisitions. The last one we did, you know, the owner of a small company, he had about a $3 million operation and he was really good at doing installs. He loved being in the field. He didn't like any aspect of the other side of the business about the phones and managing it and doing all that. So we, when we acquired it, we gave him, the role of just doing that and hired some people to take care of all the other parts of the business. And we believe that we're going to be able to grow it at least by four or five times by doing that. That's awesome. That's very cool. Uh, Do you mind sharing your revenue numbers if you have them? 
Sure. Yeah, we'll we'll probably end up over fifty million this year. That's incredible. You know, we're we're tracking uh, over that, and our our goal is to uh, double that in the next three to five years. So we have a lot of work to do. Wow, from seventeen years old of shadowing a family friend to see if you liked plumbing to creating a $50 million plumbing enterprise is very, very impressive, John. Thank you. That's awesome. So I want to shift focus a little bit because I got a great uh, view of your background and how you got to where you are today. So let's talk a little bit about like tips, strategies, and tactics that other business owners can use to elevate their, um, to elevate their operations. And I'm going to start that conversation by asking you, what do you consider yourself an expert on? Oh, gosh. What do I consider myself an expert on? I really can't say I'm an expert at one thing. I, I think I, what I really enjoy doing is I enjoy starting things. You know, Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not an expert at finishing things, but I, I'd say I'm an expert at starting things. And I have, I think, a strength of also following through on the things I started. You know, when I look at my profile, I'm a, I'm a high quick start, which means that you know, I love doing new projects, doing new things, and I love following through on those new things that we're doing. So those are the two areas that I really enjoy you know, doing the most is starting locations and making sure I follow through until they kind of, you know, gain their own wings, you know, and, and are able to fly. That's awesome. So you've mentioned in the course of our conversation and also credit on following through. That's an area of weakness that I personally have. So I can definitely commend it in anyone else. You mentioned marketing quite a few times. You also mentioned that it's kind of what a lot of what you do today. So talk to me a little bit about your marketing mindset. Is it one of the primary things that you focus on? It's, it's part of it. Uh, I, I focus on three things right now. Uh, one of them is that uh, I'm the voice of the company, so I've, I'm out there, all of our radio commercials, everything we have that's happening, I'm creating a lot of marketing content that has to do with personal stories, and uh, I meet with the marketing team uh, quite a bit. Uh, I talk to the managers about marketing. I pay attention to our call volume and to see if it's increasing. So marketing is one aspect of, of, of what I do. And, uh, you know, I, I look at this as, as part of marketing as well. We were doing a lot of social media marketing. Uh, we wrote, uh, I wrote a few books and uh, we have those out uh, on the market where it's attracting people to our company. So I think marketing is, is always something that I'll be very close to from the beginning days and all the way until today. It's just changed quite a bit. I'm not knocking on doors anymore, but we are sending quite a few letters out. And, uh, you know, that's how we knock on doors now, I guess. Gotcha. Well, also, if you're focusing on social media marketing, that's essentially where the new community is. That's where you can make the most impact. Are there any specific social media strategies that your team is currently utilizing to get visibility in your communities? Uh, We're increasing our our followers on social media. We have uh, we have a video. We have a YouTube channel that we're focusing on. We're doing a lot of stories of our people. I've got my own YouTube channel. I do short little three to five minute talks and I send it out to our team. Public or private? They, I, I send it out, it's, it's public, but I send it out just to our, our, you know, our employees every week. But it is public, anybody could go in there and put my name down and, and view those videos. 
Oh, so you wouldn't mind if I link some of those videos to the no. article where this will be hosted. Okay, no, great. Not at all. That's awesome. Um, what are the names of your books, by the way? So the, the first book uh, I wrote, I actually uh, brought the books uh, with me, but I left it in my car. I'll give it to you oh, please. after the end. Uh, so the, the first book I wrote uh, has to do with the plumbing trade and people coming into the trade. It, it's called uh, The, uh, the um, Secret to Real Wealth. And, the secret to real wealth. Yeah, and it's it's about how the trade, how I got into the trades. It, the book is written about the trades being Plan B for me, and it was a really good Plan B. My Plan A was to go to school and become an attorney, and because that's what my parents wanted. But you know, Plan B worked out to be really good, and it talks. There's stories about some of our team members that have become very successful that have used plumbing as well and they've created really good wealth for themselves and their family, you know, working in the plumbing industry. The second book I wrote is called Creating 99 Millionaires. And the book is about us and our movement, what we're doing. We want to open up a nationwide company and we want to impact the people that we work with and help them become millionaires and help them be, create personal wealth for themselves. So that's what the second book is about. And the third book I wrote is called Values First. And that talks about our organization's values. It has stories about how our plumbers use the values in the field and how customers react you know, to them you know, by using those values. It talks about how we use the values in our own organization, how we recite the values uh, how we use the values before every meeting to talk about positive focuses and things like that. So all, all the books are designed to uh, help the trade in one way or another. Thanks. That's amazing. Um, what you. are your values? So our values uh, are uh, faith, integrity, respect, service, and teamwork. I love that. How did you land on those five values? So we did a values exercise about, I'd say, seven or eight years ago where we brought a team of people into a room and, and we, and these were influential people in our company from managers to, you know, just people inside the call center and other places. And we did an exercise. It was an all day exercise where we circled, uh, you know, what was important to us. Uh, we talked about it and then we brought it all together and we looked at what we had in common and uh, those five areas are what stuck out that we all had in common. You know, there was a lot of faith-driven people in the company. You know, a lot of people, you know, believed in integrity, doing things the right way. Respect on how we treated people, how we talked to people was another really important one that kind of stood out. And we looked for common uh, denominators. And those were the common denominators. And once we put those five words together... Then we said, what does that mean to you? And we started talking about what that means. And we've created some sentences under each one. And those became our values. And we, and until today, we, we read those values before every meeting. We recite them. Uh, a lot of times before our all team meeting, we go through them. Any, any group event where we have three or four people before a meeting starts, we, we read our values. And then... Um, and, and then we create stories around our values, you know, so. That's awesome. So you mentioned before, and I really want to get into the acquisition component. Sure. Especially given your goals of being a nationwide company. How do you ensure that your values 
remain consistent as you acquire new locations and bring on new team members? So we, in, in the interview process, when, when I'm interviewing somebody to bring them in, early on, I introduce the values. One of the questions I like is, what do you like most about it? You know, what's, what's your favorite value there? And tell me why. And we talk about it. And uh, it just gives me a good perspective of where they're coming from. You know, we don't, so we don't look at our values and make it a deal breaker. Hey, you either, you know, uh, but what we try to do is we, we try to bring people in and, and see if we can instill those values also into people to better their lives, right? So it's about, uh, you know, improving, making things better. Uh, so you, we try to do that every single day by reading the values. I give every new hire the values first book. You know, I hope they read it. But we also, we've recorded it in audible version as well. Some people want to hear it. So... Nice. What advice would you give to other companies that are looking to acquire service businesses to grow their own? What, so some of the, you know, some of the issues I've had when it came to acquisitions and we still have it up until today, you know, is the, the culture, you know, a lot of times, you know, it just does not fit, even though that we bought the small business, we, we, we were just talking about it on the way here. We've got so many people that are just, you know, they, they just don't like the change. And most people don't like change. So uh, I would say that, you know, anytime you're buying a business, understand that there's going to be change. Some people are going to leave. You know, they're not going to like, you know, the, what you're bringing to them or, you know, or, or anything else. And and it's happened, you know, we've had, maybe we've done two or three acquisitions and almost every time, you know, there's a group of people that just don't like it and they just end up going somewhere else. And you have to be able to just deal with that. Essentially roll with the punches and just yeah. get, in, in order to grow, you need to have, there's going to be some difficult, difficulty and some challenges. So just there prepare is. yourself for that. Yeah, and, and I, I continue to, you know, call my manager that's actually running that division or, and encourage him that don't worry about it. We got your back. You know, uh, he's doing everything he can to kind of make the change very much, you know, not as fast. So people don't, you know, he doesn't want to rock the boat too much, but some people just don't like it and they want to leave and, and we're supporting them. You know, I just flew up north and uh, this new location we started and I helped them do some interviews. So it's just the, my whole follow through method as well is I want to follow through until I feel like he's got it. And then I can, you know, he's on this, he's on his own, you know, he can, he can, he can make it happen. So essentially being present in those first few months after the acquisition, making sure, checking in regularly, seeing exactly. how the, the lead is doing at that location. And I imagine your YouTube strategy was also implemented uh, to try and stay connected with all these locations as you move on. Right, exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. What do you look for when you're acquiring a new business or, or preparing to open a new location? So we look at, we research the market. Uh, we look at... Um, you know, what are, first of all, I mean, we're a service plumber. So we look at how old the homes are. We look at, uh, we, we, we don't pay a whole lot of attention to, you know, what the com competition looks like, but we do look at it a little bit to see, you know, who is the people that are out there? What kind of service are they providing? 
you know, is it a group of, is there a lot of small companies? Is there a lot of big companies there? We look at the age of the homes. Uh, we look at the income ratio of the homeowners. And we just, you know, we just look at the market size as well to see, you know, how big of a market. We look at the marketing. We see, you know, what kind of um, impact we can make, you know, where people are, what kind of radio stations are there, what kind of internet ads we could put on there. So we just look at the whole team kind of gets together and looks at it. We evaluated a bunch of different areas, you know, which ones would actually be good for us. And then we start sending out letters initially to see if we can do an acquisition. Uh, because if there's a small company, they've, you know, they've been in the market for a while, you know, there, there is a little bit of a head start you get when you acquire a small company. We look at what the owners want out of the business, if they want to stay with us. And if they do, what do they want to do? If there's a part of the business that they're, they want to focus on to enhance and better. And then, Basically, we just go in there and we either start from scratch or we acquire something and use that as a platform for us to grow. If you approached me about acquiring my service business, I would love to. You're such a pleasant person to talk to. I'd be like, I trust you. you, take it. Um, but what would you, what advice would you give to small businesses that maybe have that end goal in mind of, I eventually want to sell this business and move on to something else? How can they prepare to be acquired by someone like you? So a lot of things we look at is, you know, what, are, what is their customer base like? You know, are they loyal customers? Are they calling them back over and over again? And the best thing you can do if you want to sell the business is to have loyal customers, have customers that keep calling you back, have repeat customers, because we look at that. We look at what is the customer base like? And, you know, are these customers repeat? Are they coming back? Do they enjoy the service? So that's an area that I would look at. I would look at, you know, how I could take care of my customers and how I could grow my customer base because the bigger it gets, the, the more valuable it becomes. The other thing that we really look at is what the owner is looking for. You know, sometimes people want to retire and they just want to give up the business, but sometimes they want to stay with the business and they've gotten it, gotten it to a certain point and they want to see it become bigger. And, and that's what we want as well. So we're like, you know, we look at it and go, okay, if you've taken it up to $2 million and you've done a great job, you know, how can we like work as a team so you don't have to wear every hat. You don't have to answer the phones and go out and do the plumbing and do all this. Cause we have the back, you know, we have, we have our, management company that has a call center. We do accounting. We do all of that stuff. So you can focus on what you're good at. Like this last one, he really enjoyed doing installs and he had a huge team of installs, installers that, you know, love to, and they had all the technology in the world. They were doing, you know, the pipe pulling, they were doing all kinds of different underground technology and he enjoyed running that crew. And that's all he wanted to do. So we said, okay, great. So now, you know, why don't you run that crew and also help us, you know, do all the installs for all the Northern California divisions. And he's like, great, I'd love to do that. So he's in his element. He's, he's loving it. He's out there running his installers. And now he's got more work than he can, he can handle. And he's adding installers. Uh, while we brought in a really good manager to start growing the technicians and getting the field staff going and we, we brought the call center into our main office where they don't have to book the calls anymore because they weren't doing 
all that great of a job anyway, you know, and, and everybody can now focus on that one or two things that they could be great at instead of wearing so many different hats and, and not being able to grow. Back to that focus. Yeah. Wow. Much. That's awesome. That's wonderful information. Thank you for sharing. I want to get into your relationship with Service Titan. But before we do, you mentioned that you focus on three things. We talked about marketing. We talked about, and we also touched on evaluating the market with, um, in terms of acquisition and growing. Are there two other things that you focus on that we haven't talked about yet? So the main other thing I, I focus on is, is opening up branches. So um, every quarter... I need to open one up and, uh, and, and I try to get in front of that. So we've got multiple meetings that we do. We just had one this week where uh, we have a to-do list. Everybody needs to go out there and get their things done. We've actually already uh, have an internal manager that wants to you know, go into that location. So we've got a move plan for him. We've got some marketing efforts that we're doing right now. So I, I run those meetings every single week until we get to a point where basically that office is running on its own, it's doing really well and it's started to grow on its own and it's already in that market, then I move on to the next one. I'm sending out a lot of letters to different markets that we wanna get into. So right now we have a team that sends out anywhere from 500 to 1,000 letters a week to uh, owners of plumbing companies, asking them if they're ready to retire, if they wanna they want to stay on you know what is what is their goals if they've considered selling and i have my number on there and I, I get some calls and i meet with owners i talk to them i ask them you know what they'd like to see i try to see if it's a fit if their goals align if whatever it is to see if those those are things that we can do and the third thing i uh, mainly focus on is assisting my coo or any of our managers with whatever they need you know, so the third thing is, you know, I, I'm, I, I'd like to serve them. So I'd like to find out what they need, what I could help them with, who I could have them meet with, who they can, who in the company can actually, you know, help them more than I can. So I, I look at ways to assist in, in any way possible. But right now my COO is out, so I'm doing a lot of his work. So there's, I'm doing, besides what I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of, of the work that he's doing as well. But you know, it's okay. I know it's temporary, you know, so. And you took an hour out of your day to talk to me. I'm even more grateful. Um, yeah, okay. this, this is important to me. So It is. I mean, it sounds like you're really, I, from what, from talking to you, it sounds like you're very passionate about one, talking about the, what the trades has to offer and really spreading that message through your company. And you're really, and also two, you're very passionate about empowering your team members, not just the ones that started with you, but the ones that come on. And I think that's, that's wonderful. Thank you. We talked a little bit about kind of the way you approach acquisitions, opening up new branches, marketing, and that kind of stuff. Are there any other types of tips, strategies, and tactics that you've learned along the way that you'd like to share to your fellow contractors? So what, what, what I do, I've, I've got this little ritual I do every morning. So I, I wake up at five o'clock on, uh, you know, on the dot, I, I, I do my best to go to bed early so I could get my seven hours of sleep and get up at five. And I, I do, a, I take a portion of my day besides exercising in the morning uh, to read my goals. I read my goals. I look at my, my one-year goals. I look at my three-year goals, my lifetime goals. I look at my quarterly goals. And then I look at my 
agenda for the day. And I try to connect and see if I'm doing something every single day to move closer to what I want to do. And I've broken it out into five different sections. And one of them is my family goals. I have my business goals. I have my health goals, uh, spiritual goals, and I've got my um, personal goals as well. So I, I just look at it and just make sure that I purposely plan to get the things that I wanted. I want my life to be like to do every single day. And it takes me about uh, 30 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes to do that. But it, it gives me a good perspective of how the day is going to go. And that I am purposeful. I'm not just showing up because what I've done is, you know, I've, you show up to work, there's always going to be something to do. If you're not purposeful about doing certain things, then it's your, your day will be filled and nothing will get done, right? So not, nothing at least important will get done. That's definitely what I'm learning now too. I think yeah. that's great advice. Um, so you were one of actually the first customers on Service Titan. So you've been with us for a very long time. Can you tell us a little bit about how that decision came to be? Yeah, I, I met Vahe and Ara when they first started the company. And uh, we met through a mutual friend. Off the bat, you know, what's there not to like about Vahe and Ara? They're just great guys and they're hard workers. So uh, we decided back then we were on a different platform and there was a lot of frustrations we had and there was a lot of limitations. And we knew what we wanted out of our software. We knew that marketing was changing we wanted some robust reports when it came to cradle and grave reports, you know, where the customer's coming from. So I could put my money more into the ones that are working and take it out of the ones that aren't. So uh, when I met them, you know, it was fascinating because I met another company before that and they told me everything they can't do. Right. So it was a little frustrating because it was like, oh my God, these guys don't want to do anything. They just, you know, they're telling us everything we can't get done. And that's the company I'm with right now. And Vaha is like, John, we could do anything. You just tell me what you want. It's going to take time, but we could do it. And they eventually did. I mean, everything we wanted, you know, went on into, a, into the pipeline and, and they, they did it. And I remember early on, Vaha would, would be working till like three, four, five in the morning, you know, and then I, you know, call in the morning, he'd, we'd have a call and he's like, yeah, I've been working on this all night to get it done is it and it's doing it i'm like man you got to be the hardest working guy i know from you, <laughs> you know? that's a big compliment yeah. yeah i mean he was just w- working at it to get it done and um and they they developed the best software you can have for plumbers so it was like you know let's let's build it and i had multiple locations back then as well and he said john if we could get it to work for you it could work for everybody and i said that's you know that's true because most companies are going to be running a single operation, single location. And, um, and, and it was, it was, it was fascinating. I don't interact with the software as much as I used to back then, but you know, right now it's on, it's just kind of, you know, a lot of new things are coming out and we're learning about it. So at this point, the industry is making it better, which is great. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with with us uh, from the beginning and now coming in to talk to us now about your journey and how you've grown and your goals. Uh, I think this has been a really inspirational talk and I've really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. Likewise. You know, right now we're, our goal as a company is to become a nationwide brand. 
So we've filled the state of California. We've we've gone into Arizona, and uh, we'd like nothing more to focus and and become become nationwide. Help small business owners if there's anybody that wants to join our movement. You know, we're happy to talk about it and and do that. And uh, and that's that's kind of our our goal right now. And Service Titan makes that a lot easier because of all the things it helps us do. That's amazing. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed my chat with John. In case you missed it, he wrote three books, and we're giving away copies for free. That's right. The first 100 people to review this podcast on Apple Podcasts and email me a screenshot of their review will receive one of John's three books, Values First, Creating 99 Millionaires, or The Secret to Real Wealth. Honestly, they're all pretty great. It's going to be hard to choose. So go ahead and send me a screenshot of your podcast review, plus which book you want to podcast at servicetitan.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at servicetitan.com. The grit and know-how required to tackle your community's toughest jobs hasn't changed, but the way companies run their business has. Service Titan is the only field service software that was born in the trades, built for the trades. If you're interested in seeing what Service Titan can do for your business, request a demo at servicetitan.com slash trades, and we'll send you a new Milwaukee tool set, plus a free iPad when you sign up. That's servicetitan.com slash trades. You've been listening to Toolbox for the Trades, presented by Service Titan, the leading home and commercial field service software. Please subscribe to Toolbox for the Trades wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out servicetitan.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening.